This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you drive long haul, short haul, or heavy haul, they're here to empower and inspire women in the trades on TNCRadio.live. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. You're listening to Women Road Warriors with hosts Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro, where we work to inspire and empower women in trucking, in the trades, and everywhere. I'm Shelley, and I'm Kathy. And we have a very special guest today. Alicia G is a motivational speaker, as well as a performance coach for women who are showing up powerful in their business, but haven't taken the time to heal from their past and focus on themselves first. Alicia has been featured on Fox 10 News, Next Gen Leadership Experiences, Voyage Phoenix, Total Girl Boss, Thrive Global, and more. Alicia's created the Stand Up and Stand Out framework to drop the excuses and take a stand for yourself in all areas of your life. Alicia has a course called Release, Reclaim, and Rise. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I, I love your voice already. All that sounded great hearing it from you. Thank you. Yes, welcome, Alicia. This is Kathy here. <laughs> Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself so the listeners can know like who you are and what you come from, and, and then I'll just get into it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So my my childhood started off um, pretty amazing. My dad was in the Air Force and we we traveled around the world with that. And, and he was also a doctor. So we ended up living in China for um, a lot of my childhood, you know, seeing the world, doing these amazing things. And but really like where it started to shift for me was when we actually moved back to the States. And in that transition, um, you know, a, one of my family members started to treat me differently. And at first it was just, you know, playing these games that I was like, okay, this is different than how we used to play. Um, but it just kind of started to continue into something that was more and more sexual. And during that time, I remember trying to ask, you know, ask my friends like, Hey, how do you play with this family member? You know, what does that look like? What is your relationship like? And asking all these questions. Um, but no, you know, no one responded with what, what I was seeing. And so I got so embarrassed and I, I, you know, deep down, I knew that it wasn't okay. And so I just started to, um, yeah, I, I would, you know, try to get it to stop. And you just say, you know, this is normal. This is what family members do with each other. Or once I would really get, try to get him to stop and try to use my voice, he would just say, you know, I'll tell your mom and dad that you drink and you cut yourself. Cause at that time, that's what I was doing to mask my pain and mask my confusion and, and guilt. And so that lasted for all not for two years. And after that, um, you know, when it finally came out, I was relieved that finally somebody knew about that. And that person was my mom. She ended up hearing from him what had happened. And so she came to me and asked, um, yeah, she asked me my, my side of the story. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I was sitting in this office chair, spinning around in circles, you know, barely could focus. And she, she like sharing what little I could, because at that time, I didn't even know what sexual abuse meant. I, you know, didn't know how to put it into words. And so when I shared what little I could, she looked at me and she said, Alicia, it takes two. And in that moment, my, yeah, my heart sank and, and a lot of people, you know, now I know that aren't believed, you know, 64% of people aren't believed 
or blamed or something like that. And so what that led to was just years and years, 16 years, exactly of, of really taking it on as my fault. And, you know, going on with life being like, okay, yeah, I should have told somebody it was my fault, move on. And so from there on, I just put on a mask that I was okay for so long that I really, really lost myself and, and didn't even know who I was until about four, four years, four or five, five years ago now, when I really had someone confront me and really shared, I was working with these girls who'd gone through sex trafficking after college. And I felt really blessed that that hadn't led me into sex trafficking because a lot of them have, have gone through abuse as well as a child. And, and so I felt really grateful and, but I was just exhausted working there and, you know, giving my all to everybody else, but not checking in on myself. And my now fiance called me out at, at that time. And he said, you know, Alicia, like if, if you're going to con- continue complaining and using that as an excuse um, for not checking in on yourself, then how are you going to help these girls? So that was like a pivotal moment for me to actually wake up and realize, Hey, I don't get to continue allowing this to determine the rest of my life. Um, and from there, yeah, from there, the, it's been this amazing journey of healing and growing and figuring out who I am again and all of that. Yeah, I'm number one. I'm really sorry that you had to experience that. And um, I have experienced it myself quite, quite extensively. And I know quite a few women that have had to live through, you know, similar things in various forms. Yeah. And it's, it's so sad. It's such an awful thing to carry around. And yeah. like from my own personal experience with child sexual abuse um, and all the long-term effects that it had on me, um, mm-hmm. I can honestly say that it lingered with me deeply in ways that I didn't even recognize until I was 40 and I sought out treatment. Yeah. Um, like uh, it, it came out in, you know, in, in, in eating disorders and depression and in, in alcoholism, it came out like just in chronic low self-esteem, but in your yeah. case, what would, what would you say would be the worst long-term effect that it had on you? Yeah, really. And, and thank you for sharing a little bit about your story as well, but it, the long-term really affected stayed with me for so long, which is feeling like I was not worthy of having the life of my dreams. And it showed up in every area of my life. You know, I, I, at that point, like I was carrying my abuse on my shoulders. Like I, every job interview I went into, I was like, just please hire me, you know, like never felt my worth in that, in that room. Um, in relationships, I never felt that I was worthy. I was like, you know, I settled a lot. I would have multiple friendships and, and romantic relationships because I was like, I, I never wanted to get close to anybody. So I think the one thing that really lasted for so long, and honestly, it's still something that I'm like, Hey, Alicia, you are absolutely worth going for even bigger dreams. Cause I played so small before. And so that's really something that I I work through every single day. And and it's something that I get to work through. Like it's, it's amazing because it's been teaching me a lot now too, when I changed my mindset around and realized that going through abuse has made me stronger. It's, it's actually made me be able to enjoy the, enjoy the journey. Do you think that um, your story of child sexual abuse, all your experiences with that, do you think it affected the decisions and choices you made along the way as you're growing up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like it altered, uh, like, do you think that had, had that not happened to you, you might've made different choices in life and, you know, maybe gone down a different path or something like that? Yeah, I, I do think I would have definitely probably gone down a different path. I mean, like I said, like I put a mask on that I was okay and I partied and drank and did stuff with guys and all these things because 
I was like, well, you know, this has already been taken. Might as well just keep going. And so I had that attitude. But but in that, that was still my choice and choosing to not show up for myself, choosing to allow myself to continue to hurt myself. And so, yeah, like I, I definitely would have gone down a different path, but to be honest, like, and I, and, and this took me years to realize, like, but it, it's actually made me the powerful, strong leader I am today. And so of course, like, I don't wish that upon anybody, but I also like, I wouldn't take back anything that I've gone through because now I have this opportunity to support other women who are, have gone through this in a way that I under, I can understand them and, and be sympathetic to what, what they've been through. So we all, we all have that choice to allow that to continue to ruin the rest of our lives or empower us to show up differently. So oh, I agree hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It took me 40 years. So kudos to you that it, it took you a lot less. <laughs> yeah. And we all have our own journeys in that. And, you know, 40 and I've heard, you know, someone share their story from, for, with me for the first time when I posted mine online three or four years ago, that was 65 and she had never told anybody about her childhood abuse. So, so we all have like our own, own time to share and to come out, but like, we're never going to feel ready, right? We're never going to feel ready to address um, our painful past experiences or feel ready to, to dive deep into it, you know, because a lot of times, and, and I'm sure maybe you guys have noticed this too, like you just kept busy, you just kept extremely busy so that you didn't actually have to check in on yourself. Can oh you, can you guys God. relate at all? That you're like, no, I, no, I was I mean, in Paris I, for 13 years and I worked oh. double time. I was working shit, yes. I was working two jobs. Oh that, my goodness. To, so I could take care of everybody else and not worry yeah. about me, right? Oh yes. See, <laughs> yep. Wow. Similar, like three jobs yeah. in college and yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It just at that point, like that's what seemed easier was just to avoid it. But you know what you resist persist. And so it comes up, you know, it keeps coming up until we're willing to take a look at it. Yeah, it's like you're working yourself into a frenzy so you can escape yourself, but you can't escape yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I even tried and I know a lot of people have done this too. geographical changes, right? You think if you move somewhere else, Mm -hmm. things will be different. Mm -hmm. That, uh, oh, I can start all over in a brand new place where nobody knows me and it's going to be just fine. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. You're like, I'll never have to share my story. I can be whoever I want to be. But the, but the truth is like, we have that choice anywhere at any time. And so it's like, we don't have to move. We don't have to run away. Like we get to stay right where we're at. And, and just like, yeah, it's, it's, the, I think, you know, it's, it's in that we, we don't want to share who we are, or what we've gone through, but for one we don't, we don't have to share with people we don't feel comfortable with. And like, it's not something to be embarrassed about. Cause I don't, I don't know about you, but like, I just, I felt really embarrassed and, um, really dirty and broken from, from yeah. going through abuse. And I allowed that to be the case of, yeah, allowed that to be how people treated me, um, for years afterwards. Well, that was the message you got from your mother. Yeah. Very oh, my. How yeah. How did you work exactly. through the anger? Did you have anger with your mom? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for years afterwards, obviously like we had a really hard relationship and I was really, yeah, really angry with her until about a few years ago when I realized I was going to share my story. Actually, I knew that I got to go back and talk with my family about what was going on. And 
um, yeah, address the elephant in the room. Cause what really what happened. And, and I know this happens with a lot of families is that something happens like that in your family. You, you maybe address it, maybe you don't, maybe you could help, you know, counseling for a little bit, maybe you don't, but then you, you go on with life, like nothing's happened. And that's exactly what happened to my family. So it was actually a really amazing moment when I had to, I, you know, I got to go back and tell my parents that I was, I was going to start sharing my story. And I even went to my abuser and cause he was still, um, on and off in my, in my, in my life. And so I got to have that conversation with him, but for my mom, um, it wasn't until really recently I went through a leadership program and I had gone through some forgiveness activities with my mom and, and, you know, on and off. And we, we like, even, even to this day, like we're still re getting to know each other because what I, what I realized with my mom is that she reacted the way that she was, yeah, that she was taught to react. Um, her, she actually had gone through some similar things as a child, not for as long, but she kind of just had it, you know, taken care of once and then moved on. And so that's unfortunately, like, you know, how she reacted with me. And so I have had complete forgiveness with her in the sense that I'm able to see her perspective of things. Like it's not that it was okay. And she has apologized and, and those kind of things like do get to still happen. But yeah, we've just realized like, we, I don't even know. I felt like I didn't even know her at all after that. Cause I had spent so many years being so angry that now we're, um, we're re relearning who we are. So that's amazing that you can do that because I think a lot yeah. of people would not be able to because that's yeah. a terrible thing to do to a child. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's ab- abandonment in the worst yeah. possible form. Yes. Yeah. And, and ag- exactly. And it absolutely wasn't okay. And, and I don't always like encourage people to do this, but forgiveness is, is for you. It's mm-hmm. for you. And that's sometimes like what we get held up on. Cause like even a lot of my clients are like, well, I don't want to forgive him because like, it wasn't okay what he did. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't okay what he did. And like, hear how you're talking about it. Hear the anger behind that. Like you are worth having that freedom and letting go of the anger. And in that, in that form, it is really an amazing way to do that is forgiveness. And there's just different ways to do it. But I, I encourage like everyone listening, like it gets, it gets to happen. It's just simple as that. Like we don't get to carry this on for so long. I know, like, you know, in my own personal journey, I, everybody's different where they're at. And I, like I said earlier, I took me 40 years to even uh, start talking about it. And in my case, um, I ended up having to go to a program for women just because where you actually lived there for a year, it was a faith-based program. And that's where I learned about anger management. And they said, they said, Kathy, uh, you know, I said, I'm not angry. And the, the lady said, Kathy, just because you said that, you're going into class, right? Because I didn't realize that, you know, I'm too nice, I'm kind, I'm gentle, I'm not angry, but anger comes out in different ways, and I didn't know that, so I had to deal with that. I said, I'm not angry at my mom, I'm not angry at those who, you know, who hurt me, but I also learned about boundaries and and learn how to say no, and what what the heck is codependency? I didn't know what that was, because it's all part of the the child sexual abuse and low self-esteem and and dealing with um, the the sexual abuse in itself. Now I had to have, my therapy was five days a week in different classes. And I saw a personal therapist once a week. I know for you, it's different. So when you sought out help for the first time, what did that look like for you? And how did that help you? 
Yeah. Um, way to take yourself on and, and, and go into through that year program, by the way. Um, and yeah, everyone, everyone's healing journey looks a little bit different, but it's good to be able to hear other people's to get some ideas for yourself and, and see what, and, and see, like, try it on, like, see what works for you because what works for me might not always work for you, but here's what I, here's what I do know is that we, we get to take ourselves on right in that. And so looking for different things for me, what, what worked for me was I, so I had gone through childhood counseling for a little bit. Like it was probably like six months and she supported me in realizing it wasn't my fault. Cause I was saying some things that I was like, we, and she's like, you know, this wasn't your fault. Right. So I did, I, that was supportive to hear that, mm-hmm. but it didn't really hit me and land with me until really years later when I let go of the guilt and the shame and, and the hating on myself. Um, and how I did that, I didn't actually end up going to counseling. I actually ended up getting a coach. So I got a personal um, development coach And for me, like, that's what supported me in realizing that, um, yeah, that I do get to stand up for myself and just really figuring out who I was again, because I just, like I said, like, I just really realized, like, I was like, man, who is Alicia G anyways? Um, and so it was just this process of having a coach, having a mentor, like really figuring out who I was, what I love to do again, talking through these, like these things. Um, and then also I use fitness. I think fitness is the best way to fight for yourself after abuse because it teaches your mind that you're worth showing up. Um, and you know, you're physically strong and mentally strong. So that was one of the huge, um, takeaways that I, you know, really started to like use the gym, like for me, not, you know, I, I always played sports. I always did it for other people, looks, whatever it was, but the gym started to be something where I'm like, you know, I get to build my strength back up. Um, and so that was supportive. Uh, I had a really amazing community around me. I, you know, really got rid of a lot of my friends from college that I used to party and drink with. And I replaced those with women who I went to events with. I would show up at um, self-development events by myself. Mm-hmm. Like I would just Google events. You know, I live in Arizona. So I was like events in Arizona for women. And I would just show up to these like, you know, fitness events, these self-development events by myself. And I just met all these powerful women um, and surrounded myself with women who are willing to show up for themselves. I think it's just so important because our environment really does matter. It's not that we always have to just like move to different cities like we were talking about earlier, but it's also like looking up around you and seeing who you can start surrounding yourself with who are not just going to sit in the victim mentality. And really that was my really big, big shift in my life was not living in the victim mentality. That's remarkable. That's absolutely awesome. Like, oh my God, it's funny uh-huh. that you say that because I, I've been saying for, for the longest time that, you know, people they'll say, well, um, you got to hang out with like-minded people and, you know, and yeah. you gotta be, but I, I, I always, I said, no, no, you got to hang out with people who are going to push you. People yes. who are going to challenge yes. you. People who are going to make you question yourself and what, why you, what your goals and dreams, not because if you hang out with people uh-huh. who have the same, you know, sure, you like to, to you know, say, go mountain hiking or biking or doing whatever. It's all, they, yeah. they're not pushing you. You're just staying status quo pro, right? Yes. So, I love that so yeah, much. Yes. Yeah. Find the people that are going to really lift you up and get you to put, move to a whole new level in life. Yeah. Yeah. People who absolutely believe in you and that mm-hmm. are jealous uh, because I think that a lot of maybe people who have jealousy, they actually yeah. have their own hangups and they really don't want anybody else succeeding because then they have to work at something, you know? Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and especially, you know, like as women, like 
um, a lot of a lot of women are just taught to be in competition with each other and mm-hmm. and to be judgmental or compare ourselves to one another. But in that, it's like there's room for all of us to be successful. There's room for all of us to be where we want to be. And so that was like, yeah, that I love what you guys said because it's like it's actually people who are willing to push each other and not be jealous of each other. It's like, yeah, I want everyone around me to succeed. I'm like, how can I support you guys in showing up? Because when yeah. you win, like we all win. That's so. right. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Industry Movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. What was the moment that made you realize I got to change? How, how did that occur? Yeah, yeah, it was it was really like this the start of it. I just remember the start of it was from my fiance when he just shared you know, you don't get to continue helping these girls until you help yourself because it was like, it was, I was acting like I was okay, you know, but no one who is happy and you go lucky girl, like drinks until the point that they're drunk every night, you know, has like four jobs, like is this continuously busy. Right. And so that was like the moment that I just really took stepped back. I stopped working with those girls. I took like a year to really figure out who I was again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that moment was just really like, it just came down to just no, uh, knowing in my heart that I no longer get to allow my past to determine my future. Cause even at that point, you know, I had friends in my life, like love them to death, but they were just like, they're too kind with me. They were just like, you know, well, yeah, yeah. You drink a lot. Yeah. You, you know, you do stuff with, with other guys a lot, but, but it's because you've gone through childhood abuse, but in that they were allowing me to also use that as an excuse. And so I had to really, really realize that like, that was a choice that I was making. And, and, and exactly like when I hired that first coach as well, like she absolutely did not allow me to sit in my excuses and my stories too. So it's, it's like finding that person who's not going to just be like, cause some people were like, we're like, Oh no, my friend and my family, or, or even sometimes like, I, I, I love it that you have the support, but like your pastor, or your mentor, they're like, you know, like they're supporting me, but it's different when you have a coach who's like, who's really invested in your transformation. Um, and they don't really know, you know, they don't know you in the sense that they're not just going to let you just slide back into your old ways. Like they just support you in continuing to move forward. That's so important. And I think it's very frustrating that victims are blamed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's it's 64% of of victims are usually not believed or blamed for, you know, what they were wearing, you know, how much they were drinking. Oh yeah. You got to love that question. What were you wearing? Yeah. Oh yes. What were you wearing? How much did you drink? All of those are just like, and, and we take that on as, as victims, we just, you know, we take that on and I don't even, I don't know why I said victims. I don't even like calling it that because it's, it's not that we're victims. It's like that experience was not okay. And, 
But when we hear those things, we're just like, oh yeah, see, I shouldn't have said anything. And the silence is the worst part. Like it's the abuse that happens, but it's the years after that you blame yourself, you beat up on yourself and that you feel like you're so, so alone. Cause I'm sure you guys have had those experiences where you're like, I'm, I'm just alone. Like no one, no one understands me or no one understands this experience. Yeah. I find that when I, I really notice that when I talk to schools and when I talk to the young girls and um, you can see it in their eyes, which ones, right. And then yeah. uh, to have them come up to me afterwards and say something, or then furthermore decide to press charges to me, that's the most uplifting, yeah. gratifying experiences because that's what it's all about having that voice say something you know yes. don't wait yes. till you're 40 and, and then say it right? yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's so important so you go you go into high schools middle schools to speak about it oh I do absolutely I go to women's shelters I mean I endured years of uh of domestic violence just because of that I'm carrying around that low self-esteem and that it's all my fault yeah. not good enough and you know, all that, that worse yeah. that you were talking about. It's, it, it affected me. It affected, it, it affects so many people. And it, yeah. it literally it took does. me till I was 42 to recognize that, wait a minute, <laughs> I've yeah. acted backwards my entire life. What? <laughs> exactly. And, and it, like you just said, like you went into another abusive relationship and that's what often happens. And then and then you get in that cycle of like, okay, well, maybe I just deserve this. Like that, that it's happening yeah. to me again, but it's like, it's really like acknowledging it, that it happened, saying it out loud and breaking the chains of abuse. Because I, I really believe like it's a generational thing that gets passed on when you don't talk about it, when you don't stand up for yourself, because even in my family, it happened to my mom. And yeah. I realized like some of the anger that I had towards her was because she didn't break the chains of abuse in her, her life didn't speak up about it with me. And again, like I've had a lot of forgiveness for that, but like, for me, like that, that like lights fire underneath me. Cause I'm like, my kids do not get to not know how to say no and how to prepare themselves for this. And exactly. Like I, I would love to start speaking in, in middle school schools and high schools. Cause I didn't know what the word sexual abuse meant when I was going through it. And sure. Now I think people are talking about it a little bit more in schools, but not, not enough, you know, it's, it's not enough. And we, we get to still empower people to speak up. Boundaries is a big thing too. Mm-hmm. Learning yeah. to know and not feel guilty because you said no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. And realizing like, yeah, your, your time is really valuable. Like, you know, we, we're, we're always canceling on ourselves. Like it's, you know, it's like, no, okay, this is my time to, you know, take a bath. This is my time to do the lot, whatever it is. But yeah. then someone calls, needs something. You're like, okay, sure. Um, and, and so we're always just like giving up our, our personal space. We're giving up our time for everybody else around us. And that's exhausting. It's and that's really also exhausting. a side effect of child sexual abuse is mm-hmm. being a people pleaser, searching yes. out that love and affection from anybody and anywhere. Um, yeah. in any way I know I was a chameleon for years like whatever yeah. you want to be I, w- I would be you know and it, it, yeah. it, it, like like yourself I had to learn to figure out who Kathy really was and it, it doesn't doesn't happen overnight and for anybody out there that is struggling with that you got to give yourself time right you got to yeah. be kind to your mind and just yeah you know, uh, nurture yourself back to where you need to be yeah, it, it's so true. Because it, it, in that process of healing, and and when people come to me, they're like, "Okay, like 
so, you know, cause I have a year long pro- program. So they're like, okay, in a year from now, I'm going to be great. I'm going to be perfect. Like I'm, I'm going to yeah. be completely healed. I'm like, uh, you no. know, yeah, we're going to, we're going to continue to go there and we're going to continue to have some transformation, but I'm like, there's no way I'm guaranteed that for one. And also like, that's okay that we're not going to be like completely healed in, in, in a year or whatever it is that it takes, because like, it's a healing journey, not a sprint. Like you get to yeah. continue to learn these yeah. things. And like, even with like triggers, for instance, like, you know, when we have triggers, it, obviously like they're, they're sometimes painful to go through and to work through and, and definitely don't try to work through them on your own sometimes. But even in that now, like when I do have triggers come up, which I haven't had in a while, I am like, okay, interesting. Why is that still coming up? Mm-hmm. What have I not worked through? What have I not talked about? And, and just notice, like notice these things about yourself. Like, don't like be curious, like be curious why that's coming up instead of being like, Oh, trigger came up, push it back down, push it back down. Because yeah, like we said this early too, it's like what you resist persist and it's going to continue showing up until, until you address those things. With the people you work with, do some of them express fear of getting to know themselves because they really don't know who they are? Yeah, exactly. It's more of just like, they feel lost, you know, it's just more of just like, we're like, Hey, what do we do next? Cause oftentimes like we can want to do these things, but you know, when we're doing them on our own, oftentimes like we're our own worst enemy. So on the day that it does get hard, the day that you do want to revert to some of your old habits or, um, your old, like limiting beliefs about yourself, then you negotiate with yourself out of showing up powerfully for yourself every time almost. But when you, when you have somebody like a coach or, or support in that, then they can kind of notice that they can see that and they can talk through that and work through it with you. Because I think, yeah, the biggest thing is like, okay, what's next and how do I continue showing up for myself? Because it's one thing to go to an event. It's one thing to go to, and that's why I have a year long program. Cause I think sometimes we're like, Oh, six weeks. Awesome. Six weeks. I'm, I'm in six week challenge, six week, whatever. It's like, we get in our mind that we just want it to happen quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is like, yeah, we get to take our time with it. Well, it takes a while to break an old habit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. And it's, and it's also just like getting clear on what, what isn't working for you. Cause it's like these old habits and like limiting beliefs. I like to call them my nerds. Like they're my nerds that show up. And so every time I, I notice them, like my perfectionism nerd for one, I'm like, I just, I, I laugh every time I say nerd. Cause I'm like, okay, yep. It's here again. You, me showing up, trying to be perfect. I don't get to be perfect. I don't need to be perfect. And just talking through that. And then like, you know, I always say like feeding it a banana, like feed it a banana, acknowledge that you're there, perfectionism nerd, and you don't get to show up in my life, you know, and getting to choose out of that. Cause it is, it's not an overnight thing where you're like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to keep on having to people please. And tomorrow it's just gone. Right. It's like, okay, how can I work through that? How can I work on not being a people pleaser? Tell us a little bit about that program you're talking about. That's a year long. I know it's called release, reclaim and rise, but what does that include? Yeah. So that release, reclaim and rise is actually um, one of my other programs that I do on a short term level. Okay. And then, and then that, that kind of gets you prepared to just do the stand up and stand out program. But this is a year long program with it's either, either individual or you get a group program with it because, um, I really think it's powerful to rise up with a community of women. Like I said mm-hmm. before, like who are, are on your same journey, who kind of understand where you've come, you've been coming from. Um, and so it's just a year long, like figuring out, like, first of all, is vision. 
yeah, what's not working for you? Like what figuring that out? Cause sometimes we don't even notice, like we've exactly like we just said, we've gone through it for so long that we don't even notice that we're still doing these things. So figuring out what's not working, then it's breakthrough, breaking through those, those limiting beliefs, breaking through some of the things that's not working. And then it's just showing up powerfully and actually creating the life of your dreams. So like whether that's, you know, um, a lot of my clients sometimes want to be coaches, they want to be speakers or they want a new job. And so we like in that last portion of the program, we really actually like implement the things we're learning and we just get really uncomfortable during the program. Like one of the things I'm like, yeah, you're going to love and hate me in this program. And it's okay because, um, we get to get uncomfortable. And I think so often, like we just stay, stay in our like bubbles. We stay in our friendship bubbles. We stay in our comfortability bubble. And in that we don't really grow as much as we could be. So it's really short and uh, short. That's basically what the program is all about. So you're teaching people to overcome fear too, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Fear of really figuring out, yeah. What is still coming up? Is it fear? Is it the self hate? Is it, you know, the forgiveness and working through that. And it's really individual. Like all my coaching is just really individual because yeah, we all have different things that work for us and, and we get to figure out what that is. Do you find there's a lot of women that um, struggle to even name what their emotions are feeling? I, I, I had a hard time describing what, when I was feeling angry because I didn't really know to me, anger came out in violence, right? That, because that's yeah, all I know. Yeah. So to figure out when I was actually angry took me a while to figure that out or like to actually name a, a specific emotion. Do you find other women have that same thing or? Yeah, like absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. No, you're not, not the only one. And, and I know in that is always feels like you're, you're lonely, right? Cause it's like, I, I don't know why. And, and then again, we ask ourselves, oh, why am I not feeling emotions? Why am I not, you know, yeah. and, and beat up on ourselves even more, but exactly. A lot of women and, and men as well, who've gone through something painful, you know, put up that guard, that mask. And in that they also like shut up all emotions, good emotions, bad emotions, and so yeah. like, I always tell people like, it's, it's actually really important to feel it all. And so we just like walk through just different things of like, you know, different experiences and different things that come up and even sharing it out loud and starting to realize like, it's actually safe to feel happy. It's safe to mm-hmm. feel like it, it's even safe to feel sad sometimes because we can't have one or like one or the other, like we get to feel all of the emotions and be able to work through them. But it's, it's like, it, like you said, it's like, it's also acknowledging that like, that's something that you are noticing. You're noticing that you don't feel any emotions. You're noticing that you're not happy or sad. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the weirdest feeling, right? You're just like, I don't feel sad, but I also don't feel happy. And it's like, and, and then you hear all these other people like, feeling happy or sad. And it's like, what's wrong with me, but there's nothing wrong. It's just like allowing yourself to know that you're safe to feel those. Yeah. And being numb for so long um, or numbing whatever emotion that you're feeling when you stop doing that, it's very difficult to put a finger on it. Do you have any exactly at all that are interested in your program or is it mostly women? Yeah. So right now I just work with women. I work with like powerful women leaders who are showing up for everybody else, but I I am open to looking at working with men. The reason in the past I haven't worked with men is because I've done mostly group programs. And in that, a lot of the women didn't feel safe working with men. Um, So I do have other coaches that I know that are really powerful working with men. And so I always make sure that I have like a support system of the referrals to give to people 
And even like on that note too, it's like, I, when I get on a call with people, like I really talk through like, Hey, is this the right program for you? Or maybe would counseling be better or would something else be better? So we talk through all those things, but men, it, it happens just as much with men as well. And it's like, I, I make sure that like, when I talk about it, I do address like these things, these things are going to support men as well. Um, and figuring out how we can do a better job of allowing men to be vulnerable and share what's going on in their lives. Yeah. They, sometimes they get forgotten. <laughs> when yeah. Sexual abuse, mo- people think it's mostly women, but no, there's a large amount of men that, uh, yeah. that, that have gone through similar things, but they, most of them don't share it. They're rather reluctant, aren't they, to come forward? Yeah, absolutely. Because like our society has just done uh, a, a bad job of just letting them know that it's safe for them to come forward. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, when it happens with men, sometimes they're, they, they get embarrassed because they it questions like their sexuality or mm-hmm. whatever else it is. And so they get really embarrassed in that, but it's, it's like, it's really important for men to know. And if men are listening to this, like we, like you're absolutely safe to share with somebody. And, and I, I would also tell us to somebody who hasn't shared their story yet, find somebody who's actually going to listen and keep going until someone actually shows up and supports you. Because I know sometimes like we tell one person and their reaction maybe was like my mom's and they don't really understand us, hear us and say the things that we need, need to have happen or get, get a support. And we stop there. We're like, Kate told one person didn't work out. Keep going, keep sharing until someone's willing to show up for you. You know, I think quite often, too, when a child's going through an abusive situation, Mm -hmm. parents and various other people in their lives, uh, they're good at doing gaslighting, which makes the the, the child not believe what they've experienced or what they've seen. They'll be told, that's something you thought you heard or thought you saw or thought you experienced. It wasn't real when, in fact, it was. So, I mean, that's something that you incorporate and then you never really trust. Well, maybe that really didn't happen. It's got to be me. That's part of the self-blame game. Yeah. Yeah. There's the threats. There's the gaslighting. Like Mm -hmm. so oftentimes when people hear about kids getting abused or, or people being through abusive situations are like, well, why didn't you tell somebody? And, and until you actually have gone through until you realize like that, yeah, there's so many situations where they like say, you know, no, no, no. Like you like this. And then you're like, did I like, you know, and you even like start questioning, even like to the point of like, you feel sick when it happens, but then they're, they manipulate your mind. And at such a young age, at such pivotal ages Mm -hmm. as children, like you, you don't even know what, where your sexuality is. You don't know what feels good, what doesn't. And so like, sometimes like that's a really hard topic too, because I've talked to women um, who they're like, I think I enjoyed it. And it's like, they feel so bad about that, but I'm like, it it wasn't your fault that that was the case. Like that was just your body, like Mm -hmm. not knowing how to react to right touch and not, not, not okay touch. And just being able to share that. And so like, I I make sure to mention that stuff too, because it's in that it's like, okay, well it was my fault. Right. Like, you know, um, but in that case still, it's like you were a child, you didn't know what was going on and your body didn't know how to react to that. Sure. But all of those things are carried with us forward, like a bad set of luggage that you're dragging around. Yeah. And then you're packing a guilt trip. 
Absolutely. Until you realize like that it has made you stronger. Like, and I know that's crazy to hear because most people are most, most, I don't know, most TV shows like show these like broken, broken women who've gone through abuse and don't get me wrong. Like it is painful and it is, it it can be challenging going through the healing journey, but we're actually so much stronger than we realize. And we're actually, we're so capable of working through it and showing up. And, and I truly believe like our most painful past experiences actually make us like the best leaders when we're able to turn them around the best, like powerful, like sympathetic leaders, because we, we have felt that we know how that feels Mm -hmm. and we can share how we're showing up powerfully in this world and be an example to others. Uh, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. The, The problem is getting people to recognize that because they're so focused on the brokenness that Mm -hmm. they forget to look up and um, try and see past that veil of that illusion that, that things can get better, that things that the miracles are right on the other side of that curtain. Go through that curtain, (laughs) pull it aside, rip it down, do something, but move, you know, hundred percent. And, and that comes like also because like we, we just get stubborn sometimes and we try to do life on our own, but we're like, we're not meant to do life on our own. We're meant to have no. community. We're meant to have support because, you know, when we're, when we're like too scared to go to the next level or it's oftentimes it's because it's like, we're just on our own. We're, we're, and I can relate to that. Like I, you know, had lots of friend groups, had lots of people, but I didn't actually want to get close to anybody because I didn't actually want them to know who, you know, at that point, who the real Alicia G broken, like quote unquote, broken Alicia G was. And so it's really like allowing yourself to be a part of community, reach out for support, because that's the, that's the most powerful thing you can do is actually say, Hey, I'm not okay. And getting support. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Did you know that 80% of America's communities rely on trucking alone to deliver their goods? The trucking industry keeps America running thanks to the 3.6 million professional truck drivers traveling over 300 billion miles a year. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, tells the story of trucking and its positive impact on our economy, communities, and lives. Learn how you can be part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting truckingmovesamerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. The hardest part in, in sharing my story when I first started, when I wrote my book, was mm-hmm. um, letting people I work with know because everybody did, yeah. saw Kathy as happy and, you know, bubbly mm-hmm. and, you know, always good to be around. They had no idea of anything that went on. So what I did is that, you know what, when I'm going to do this, I I went in front of my crew at work and I put my book on the screen. I said, you see that book, the cover, it's not about mining. The book has nothing to do about mining. And this is what it's about. This is what I've experienced. And I'm not asking you to buy the book. I'm not asking you to read the book, but if you know someone that has experienced, you know, any type of sexual abuse, any type of depression, any type of suicidal tendencies, any type of self-harm, maybe pass them the book because maybe one sentence in there is all they need to read to get the help that they need. 
Well, by my yeah. doing that, um, it opened up doors to it's like people from all different departments all over the company were coming to me on the side and kind wow. of sharing me a little bit about their, their stories. So instead of talking about, hey, what'd you do on days off or hey, how's the weather? It actually opened up conversations, <laughs> real yes. conversations. Yeah. And so do you find that when you started talking about it, that it kind of opened up similar ways, like people are actually wanting to to share a little bit because you shared because you found the courage to say that yeah for one like oh my goodness you are so bold and that is so powerful to hear because yes like we get to start with those around us too because so often exactly those are the ones that we we get in our head that's embarrassing or you know like like they don't need to know that or you know for me when I first shared my story for the first time publicly I shared on Instagram and Facebook and I always remember being like well I don't want I don't want to be known as a girl who's gone through abuse, but I kept on having people even before that, like on the side, I would share my story and I would have people share that they experienced the same thing. And I was like, you know what, if I post this and I, I asked myself, I was like, if I could support one person, like you just said, if it was one person that Mm -hmm. saw this and, and was supported by this, would I do it? And the answer was yes. And every single time I step on a stage room, when I get nervous, every single time I do interviews and I, I get nervous, like, cause you know, that, that sometimes that still happens. Like sometimes we, we put people on pedestals and we're like, well, she can do it. Alicia can do it. You know, here, Kathy can do it. Shelly can do it. It's like, no, we still maybe feel that nervousness. And I always say it's like nerve sided. It's like you're nervous and you're excited and yeah. it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to feel that. Um, and do it anyways, because it's we're never going to feel ready to share yeah. our stories. We're never going to feel ready to write a book. We're never going to feel ready. But it's it's in those moments when you're like, hey, it's not just about me. How can I support other people? Like you just said, like you went in front of your whole office and shared that and had so many open stories. And from that, I've had women like from all across the board, you know, like I just shared that woman who she was 65 years old and she she shared her story with me. And I was like, I was like, thank you so much for sharing. Who else have you shared with? She was like, no, Alicia, you don't understand. You're the first person I've ever shared with. Wow. And I was like, wow. And so, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's like really what progressed, like having those people come to me and share their stories. And then I was like, bye. But I I was like, I I feel, I was like, I want to do more for these women. I want to (laughs) teach them some things that have supported me, like things that people have taught me, ways I've been able to show up. Um, and so that's like really naturally how coaching started was just mm-hmm. being willing to say yes, get uncomfortable and do it anyways. I like your so, phrase, show up for yourself. Yeah. I yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. We really, what, really get to start with ourselves first. Yeah. What brings you the most joy in, in all that you do? Like what is the most gratifying thing that, you know, makes you get up in the morning to continue tackling your day? Oh yeah. I'm so grateful for my life. Like, I'm just so grateful that I, like, I can't believe like I get to just share this experience, like speak on these interviews, do these things that I get to do because every time I hear somebody's story and every time I get to impact somebody, like, I know it's not just about me. Like, I know that it's about the generations like passing that down and who do they get to impact? And so it's like, it's really seeing like these women that I've been coaching become coaches become speakers, sharing their stories and the ripple effect that it it has. And so like the biggest joy really would be just that, like seeing these women show up so powerfully. And, and a lot of these business women who already are impacting so many people, allowing them to like transform their businesses into also an open space. Like you just said, an open space to talk about the things that aren't working, the painful past experiences and really just, yeah, the ripple effect. 
Nice. That is so awesome. And I think it's wonderful because you're actually creating a network. Over time, people form bonds and they have a network of people who are like-minded. They know that they can share with them because I'm sure they get a, a fair amount of pushback perhaps with their families and various other things when they're trying to make this change too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because some people, you know, liked you for who you used to be for the person that maybe like that you knew inside you weren't, you weren't like I was the party starter. I always knew what party was and people liked me for that. Right. People counted on me for that. But when I realized like that wasn't who I was, like I did get to find new friends and, and find people that were willing to grow with me. And that's, that's okay. Like, you know, we, we all have like, uh, a space for people. Like we have a space for people and we get to choose like who we allow into that space. And that goes back to those boundaries. Again, it's like, Hey, okay. This friendship's not working. And maybe, you know, that's friend, like it's, it's actually rude to keep friends on, keep romantic relationships on when you know, it's not working because they, they might have other people that actually do want to spend more time with them, that actually do like their company. Well, I think it's awesome what you're doing. Oh my gosh, you're helping so many people. Thank you. You're transforming lives, which is so very important. So what's next for you? What's next on your docket, Alicia? Yeah, what's next? Oh my goodness. Uh, Yes, so much. I honestly, like I just, I get to speak more. I get to go out and um, obviously in-person events are starting to um, open up again. So I've been doing a lot more in-person events because I really believe in like the power of just like, I love hugs. Mm-hmm. Um, never used to be a hugger, never used to, you know, allow those like emotions or like that come out. But um, I really love doing that. And again, I'm going to start doing like retreats again and opening up that atmosphere as well, just the in person connection. Mm-hmm. And I actually just bought a horse. Um, nice. Yeah. And so I want to start using that in my programs as well to support cool. women to have that connection. Because when I was going through abuse, my neighbors had horses and that was like my time to get away. And there are these really rambunctious Arabian horses. But he was like, I don't know what it is, but whenever you come over, they're so calm and da da da. It's like they knew what I needed. And horses that's are just neat. so powerful and, and having that connection. So that's probably what's I'm what I'm most excited about next is adding that into my <laughs> programs and spending go. more time with him too. Uh, that's so awesome. Where can people find out more information about your program? Yeah. So I, I love just connecting personally. Like if, if this is something that's speaking to you and if you want this kind of support in your life, um, then I would just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram, Alicia, A-L-I-S-H-A, and then G-E-E, Alicia on Facebook. And then Instagram is just Alicia underscore we lift to rise. And yeah, just reach out, message me, and we'll set up a phone call and go from there. So just to repeat that, people can find you on Facebook at Alicia G spelled A-L-I-S-H-A-G-E-E. And then on Instagram, listeners can reach out to you at Alicia underscore you lift to rise. Again, Alicia underscore you lift to rise on Instagram. We're so happy you've been on the show here. And I think what you're doing is, is so very necessary. You're empowering so many women. It's, it's about time, right? You've been an absolute wonderful guest. My gosh, it's been so nice talking with you. <laughs> yeah. You have that energy. You could feel yep. it. <laughs> yep. Yes, I know. I feel like we could talk all, all day. Like, thank you for having me because you guys have been amazing too. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelly Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, 
Email us at info at tncradio.live. Thank you for listening to another great interview on tncradio.live and the Truckers Network Radio Show. All of the material you hear on tncradio.live on our website, our broadcasts, or our podcasts are copyrighted. There can be no distribution without the express consent of tncradio.live and its partners. For inquiries, write us at info at tncradio.live.